Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership and teamwork across business and sport. To all our loyal listeners, the Culture of Things podcast will now have specific episodes produced for YouTube. To ensure you don't miss out on this exclusive YouTube content, head over to YouTube, click on the subscribe button, and hit the notification bell. Now, let's get into the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Brendan Rogers. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Culture Things podcast. As Mike has already mentioned, I'm your host, Brendan Rogers, and today we are live streaming and recording episode 62. The chap on the other end of the video line is Mike Goldman. Mike, how are you, buddy? Hey, thank you. Great to be here. Look at this crowd. Hey, guys. Great to be Mate, here. Thank you so much for having a, me. I I had no idea you had so many people in your uh, in your street there. Behind I, I do. You. I always have a studio audience with me wherever I go. <laughs> Mate, you're a a thorough professional. Look, I'm really looking forward to this chat today. We're going to be talking about the culture of reality TV. You've had a fair bit of experience in that space. Oh yes, so I have. How about just to give our listeners and watchers a little bit of a understanding if they don't already know you on what you're about so i'll give a little bit of a buy off that's all right you bio me up yes absolutely or, 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 i'll, I'll or correct a, any mistakes or talk them up if they could or be. A, or a micography as you a call my, it, I love your website it. right my, give me the micography i've probably you're forgotten in. half of it <laughs> well i couldn't put there's so much in your micrography i couldn't i couldn't spew it all out mate it's just not possible uh, jack so of all mic- trades master of none <laughs> Mike's well-known as an Australian television personality. He's an actor, voiceover artist, and presenter. Uh, He's appeared on shows right across the free-to-air television circuit, as well as streaming services like Netflix and Amazon Prime. Mike is most widely known as the host of popular Australian reality TV show Big Brother. He is host of the weekly chat show On The Mic and the Big Bros show on The Seven Network. And as I said before, the focus of our conversation today is the culture of reality TV. Mike, an official welcome to the Culture of Things podcast. Hello. Thank you for welcoming me. It's great to be here. Pleasure having you, mate. Pleasure having you. And a, a fellow Brizzy boy as well. You're up yeah, there man. in Limba. Absolutely. Born and bred in beautiful Brisbane. This place has come along in such a big way. The Olympics are coming. The real estate prices are going through. 40,000 people moved up from Melbourne or registered to move up from Melbourne in the last month alone. And, Is that right? And why wouldn't they? You know, we've, we've now got the best restaurants in Australia, the best weather by far, which is hence why, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these big international TV series are coming up here to shoot. It's it's the Hollywood of Australia. And it, it's just such an incredible place to live. Why wouldn't you move up here? Are you working for Tourism Queensland as well, mate? Yes, I am. That's correct. <laughs> Actually, I, I was the um, I hosted the, uh, the the Tourism Australia Tourism Queensland promotional videos for the USA, Japan, South Africa, and a lot of parts of the of the world. I remember this is the, one of the earlier ones that I, I mean it was probably in the two thousands when I did this. And a guy mm. called Dean Sutherland was working for a company called Cutting Edge, and he got me all excited. And he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're going to be flying all over Queensland. We're going to be going to Dunk Island. We're going to go right through the Whit Sundays. We're going to go scuba diving. We're going to film you talking about how great it is." And I'm like, "This is going to be." getaway it's going to be the most uh, amazing trip and uh and anyway the day before we were about to 
fly away and leave and shoot all of this amazing holiday, basically, talking up Queensland. He goes, oh, it's a bit of cut in the budget. We're just going to shoot it at South Bank and put some <laughs> old stock footage in of the islands. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> South Bank's a lovely place. It's probably not quite Dunk Island, but it's still okay. Okay. Dunk Island's <laughs> just, just been bought by uh, a company that a friend of mine's a part of. And Is that they're, right? Uh, they're going to redevelop it as well. Some exciting things mm. happening in there, speaking of Dunk. But anyway, yeah, great to be here. Thank you for having me on your show, Brendan. I was um, listening to your, to your podcast and uh, over the last few weeks and, and really enjoying it. I, I love how you, uh, you get into the culture of things. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a great podcast in, in today's modern times because culture is such an important thing when it comes to running a business, you know, working in the entertainment industry, especially because the culture behind the scenes, it, it, uh, a lot of the time, you know, it, it comes across on screen. Like if everyone's, you know, you know, the boss is being an arsehole behind the scenes and no one's having any fun, it's not going to be as good on camera. And the same with, with radio networks as well. I mean, I worked on uh, on radio since I was about the age of 15. And if the program manager, which about 80 or 90% of the time is an asshole, is usually a failed radio announcer, there are some out there that are great, then the announcers are all nervous and not being themselves and having fun. So culture and Nova is probably one of the best radio stations culture-wise I've ever worked for and 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 seen okay. seen the kind of fun that they have behind the scenes. They're all about the fun because they know it comes across on air. So to to have a show about the culture of things and the culture of business, uh, I think is is something that's that's really important. So well done, Brendy. Thank you. Round mate. of applause Thanks. for Brendan. That's it for Brendan, everybody. I'm starting to think you're hosting this show and not me. This is awesome. <laughs> Shall I just sit back and relax and you just keep chatting? Dude, it is your show, absolutely. <laughs> but but j- just for a moment, if we could uh, take some time out for one of my sponsors, I would like to uh, to thank Smoke Yourself Thin Cigarettes. Are you looking to you lose weight? No, it's all, all yours. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm not in particular, but thank you, mate, for your sponsors. I think you need to uh, you know, <laughs> ch- change your value set. Get sponsored by someone else. <laughs> Beautiful charcoal drawings of Ayers Rock in the background. Can we buy that, that? We actually, speaking of wonderful holiday destinations, I mean, we did go to Ayers Rock and we thought, well, we better spend a little bit of money on something apart from digital photography that uh, you know, reminds us. So I, I love it. It's a beautiful image. I don't know who drew it, but it's fantastic. Yeah, it's really cool, man. You just tell people you did it and, and you can sell copies of it for your show. <laughs> Why not? It'll become one of these. Uh, what do they call them? Uh, the the fund, the transferable fund things, or whatever that they're selling cars, the the virtual cars at the moment. Yeah, uh, NFTs. Uh, NFTs. Sorry, that's. I got, I, I got a friend who's who's a uh, a fashion designer. He ma- he makes these jackets. They're incredible, mm. and uh, he's he's got an NFT of this outfit that he has made it's like this old country western sort of looking um 70s retro suit and he's mm. that he's paid to do the proper 3d nft of it and he's selling i think only 10 copies of the nft non-fungible token i think that's yeah, what it that's stands it. for that's it. Yeah. and the actual suit he's putting it on the market for a million dollars wow you think someone rich person in silicon valley or whoever <laughs> i don't have a million dollars right now <laughs> Now I've got. If you only saw my bank account, it's a little bit quiet at the moment. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, NFT things. That's a that's a whole podcast right it's now. Bit, it, mate, it is. We'll, we will do the culture of NFTs at some point in time because I'm pretty interested to learn a bit more about you know, it. But. You know, you know who you should speak to. My friend Sergey, who's uh, he owns a um, 
NFT business, and he has thousands of people in the Philippines Philippines playing this game called Axiom, which is basically it's like a uh, NFT video game, and mm. you get paid as you play it. So he's paying yeah, wow. people in the Philippines and splitting splitting the money with them, and he's like, they're making thousands. Wow, we mate, we're in the wrong game, buddy. Oh, I mean, it's it's so complicated that stuff. I tried to look into it, but and my mate got into it, and he literally stays up all night till seven o'clock in the morning. And he's like, "I'm getting paid every day," and I go, "Yeah, but you're getting no sleep and and, and sleeping during the day, and it doesn't sound like fun." So I'd rather no, earn less money not. and have more fun. Absolutely, mate. Now, eventually, we will get into our topic, the cultural reality TV. But I was just want to go back to the Queensland thing. I saw a couple of cool things. One in particular in TikTok, you've been ringing the premier's office. And talking about stuff is that right? Or, or, oh yeah, um, for anyone, Carla from Bankstown. Yeah, that's uh, right. On Instagram at Carla from Bankstown, she yeah. uh, is Gladys Berejiklian's secretary, <laughs> and so I've been sort of trying to weave my way in through her to get to Gladys and be the voice of COVID. You know, like if you walk into I a did sh- hear that shopping center. Hello, welcome to the Bankstown shopping center. Have you had your injection today? If not, please leave the shopping center immediately. Anyway, I loved it. Just to be I fun. She it. was on uh, Current Affair the other day uh, as Gladys Berejiklian's secretary. Oh, is that right? <laughs> and and I'm like, I like, honestly, I didn't even know her from a bar of soap, but I thought this chick's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And just reached out to him. And you organised it. And you know, say, hey, let's do do this funny thing. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. That is good. It was it was very funny, mate. I have to say, I got a good chuckle from that. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what you know, Instagram's for, and just having a having a laugh, letting people know you're still alive. And, you know, being someone who works for themselves and works for a lot of different businesses, you, you know, promotion is such a, uh, a weird problem to have when you're thinking, okay, how am I going to let people know that I'm available for voiceovers and hosting TV shows and, and mm. whatever? I mean, ringing them up or just sending them an email is like, oh, my God, here's some more spam. And they've got it's shit to do. Trap there, but if they see you doing something funny and they remember what you do, then they I want to work with that guy. I like him. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, certainly one way to uh, to show your personality on Overdrive, absolutely. So, mate, you, you've been around television and, and all of that sort of stuff for a long time. Your parents were both in TV. Like, what, what were your sort of earliest memories of being involved in the game? Because you were pretty young from what I understand. Was it around 12 or so? Yeah, well, my mum and dad both worked in TV and radio. Mum was uh, Weather Girl, Channel 7, Channel O, which is now Channel 10. Dad, yep. you know, worked in, on a lot of radio stations all over Australia and, you know, was the first breakfast announcer on Today FM and, you know, worked at 2SM for like 25, 30 years or something like that. So, yeah, I grew up around that and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I was, you know, doing mobile discos from about the age of 10. In Club Tropo in Terrigal or in uh, Gosford. Little kids' parties, yeah. And then many years later, that was when I was working at CFM, which used to be called Coast Rock FM on the yeah. uh, on the uh, central coast of New South Wales. And the big nightclub across the road was called Club Tropo. I used to DJ there with uh, Harris and Artie Stamos, uh, Rob and all the gang. It was, uh, it was a, a fun part of my life, that's for sure. Absolutely, mate. Look, I wasn't on the coast back then, but uh, I've got a good mate who I, I run and swim with every morning. He tells me a few stories from uh, Club Tropo. He hasn't told me any specifically about you, though. But you're telling me you don't remember any, too many of them anyway. Oh, I do. Man, there's, we had so much fun there. And we, we'd have guest DJs every weekend, whether it was Agro or Tony Piran or mm. Craig McLaughlin. You know, all these <laughs> random, you know, late 90s celebrities, mid-90s celebrities and, uh, mm. you know, people off Neighbours and Home and Away or whatever. 
it was good fun. My main main thing was radio back then, and uh, it was a good way to sort of promote your show and and all that kind of thing. But mm. yeah, so I've I've grown up around the uh, the industry, and then that's sort of how I've fallen into it. And uh, I mean, from from the age of ten, I was doing voiceovers, and and uh, the first voiceover I did was I think for Commodore sixty four computers. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's how old I am, and uh, and that was sort of with a VO guy called PJ, and I was with a voice agency called RMK. But because my dad was already with the the agency, he was doing all the ads, well known for doing the ads for Norman Ross, which mm. is now Harvey Norman. And uh, you know, he picked me up from school, and then he'd go and do his Norman Ross ads, and I'd wait in the car, and or sometimes go in and watch him do it. And he was the voice of Channel Nine back then, and I. You know, go in and watch how we do it there and sort of got an understanding mm. of it. But I was also, you know, doing acting classes and auditioning for, you know, TV shows and mm. doing a little bit of acting here and there, a couple of little guest spots on Home and Away and other things like that. But, uh, yeah, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Entertainment industry is uh, what I've always done. So reality TV, mate, like from your perspective of being inside that game, what is it that people like, me, you know, watching reality TV, not that I watch it nowadays, like, what do we love? Like, what is it that sort of grabs the interest around this sort of genre of reality TV? Entertainment. I mean, lately people have been talking about uh, how the ratings have gone down on, you know, the free-to-air networks, but then you have a show like The Voice come along and, you know, all, all of the actual figures when they put them together with all the, the, the streaming of the show like The Voice – and you know the the free to air numbers that they had, they're getting close mm. to two million views on a show, and that's you know that's massive. That's can, mm. that's like fifteen years ago when there were no streaming services or anything else yeah, to watch. Yeah. That that those kind of numbers. So if you build something that's that's good enough, that's entertaining enough, that gets great exposure and publicity in the you know newspapers, magazines, online media, then then that's a hit. But first and foremost, I want to say, you know, I'm not a TV producer, and you know, the the brains of uh, you know of running a, a reality TV show is is uh, the producer, and that's a different beast. And I, I've been lucky enough to work with some of the uh, the greatest TV producers in Australia. I mean, just off the top of my head, Alex Mavrodakis, who makes shows like I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. He was the executive producer of Big Brother. And, and Love Island, uh, Marion Farrelly, who's uh, also an executive producer of Big Brother at one stage and, you know, ran the Big Breakfast in the UK. There's so many that uh, I've, I've learned a lot from about the behind the scenes of, of how those kinds of shows work. And I've, I've been probably to a certain extent yeah, a producer as well when I, you know, come up with ideas and some good, some not so good that have, uh, have worked really well. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's all about the vibe and the culture in the background mm. and those those guys are, are driving it as well as the uh you know the heads of production and executive producers you use that technical term great mate about these some of these names you've mentioned now, i don't mean from a technical perspective what makes them great i mean obviously they're very very competent at the technical side of their role but what makes them great and great leaders of those sort of environments for you and what you saw i think turning a shit situation into a good one turning a, a negative into a positive <clears throat> Uh, like if something bad happened on a reality TV show, a, a lot of other producers who haven't worked on reality TV before would be like, oh, what are we going to do? Whose fault is this? But mm. certain people I've worked with, they're like, what are we going to do? I oh, know we're going to ring the newspaper <laughs> and tell them that this shit's gone down. And the next minute, the the ratings are massive. So it's it's being able to turn a uh, a negative into into a positive is a is a great way to run a uh, a TV network and you know TV show and and make some noise. 
Big Brother globally was big and still big. Big Brother Australia was big and started in 2001. You were part of that starting point of the show and right through, I think, to about 2014 from memory. What was it about that show, do you think, that made it so successful, particularly in the early days? I think it was so different. There was nothing like it on the planet. It came out of nowhere. It was this massive show that's just going nuts in the UK, in Holland, and we only sort of started to hear about it in Australia, and then all of a sudden it was coming to the Gold Coast, and I heard about it through some friends who worked at a TV production company in Brisbane called Cutting Edge, and they said, you should try it for this show. And I remember the audio engineer, his name was uh, Angus Gibbons, and he was working with some of the producers on the show, the producer, executive producer, I think his name was Peter Abbott. He was also the voice of Big Brother at the time. And I said, mate, if you put in a good word for me with this guy and like give me an audition, I'll buy you a Sony PlayStation 2. And he's like, <laughs> okay, deal. And so I actually had to buy this guy a Sony PlayStation 2. <laughs> that investment served you pretty well, I think, hasn't it? It absolutely did. And another um, another guy called Michael Burton, who's one of the uh, owners of one of the biggest production companies in Australia. He said, oh, mate, good luck with the audition. And I said, hey, when I go in the studio, can can you walk through the other side of the glass and go, oh, wow, that guy sounds like an Australian version of the UK version of Big Brother because I knew that's what they were looking for. And he, mm. he did that. And I'm like, yeah, high five. Thanks, dude. Got the gig. <laughs> so, yeah, 2001. And it was um, it was like nothing anyone had ever seen on, on TV. And there was so much hype about it when as soon as it hit the air and – People are just being filmed walking around a house and my narration saying it's 4 p.m. in the Big Brother house. The housemates are called to the lounge room and they're being given, you know, the food that they've got for the week and told that they're going to lose money from the, the, the prize money if they do anything wrong. And I had people messaging me going, what is this shit? It's like we're just watching people in a house. This is not going to rate. And then it was the biggest show in Australian TV history and, you know, 20 years later. It's a very different show now because they mm. film it seven months earlier and, and they put music to it and all that kind of stuff. And it's very, very uh, produced. Uh, but it was like nothing on TV back then. And I, I really miss the, the live element that it brought to the Australian uh, TV landscape because you never knew what was going to happen. Anything could happen. You know, mm. bloke could walk out on stage with tape over his mouth and decide not to talk. You know, some the fire that the stage could that catch fire, and yeah, the stage caught fire one night, and lights are falling down from the roof, and all sorts of crazy shit would happen on that show. But now, it's not so much like the live sporting event that it used to be. It's more. I'm not taking anything away from how great it is because it's rating really well, and and the people who work on it that I know are uh, excellent producers. But uh, yeah, it's a very very different different show to what it what it used to be. Michael, I have to tell you a, just a short story about 2001, Big Brother comes out. Myself and my wife, who were young parents at the time, got engrossed in the show. And I was playing a lot of football down at Wynnum at the time for Wynnum Football Club. And I got a speeding ticket on my way home from training because I was racing home to watch Big Brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pretty sad, right? <laughs> Matt, I've, I've got speeding tickets and lost my license racing to Big Brother to do a live TV show because I was going to be late. <laughs> And there wasn't going to be a host. It's probably the Mate, same day. I mean, the interactions we've had, you sound like the sort of guy that has everything planned to the T and, you know, you work off checklists and stuff. Surely ah, that's man, you, man, I it? wing it. <laughs> I 
I wing it. And you know what? I feel like sometimes I'm better because my natural instincts come out when I'm you know, on the spot and it, it looks more real, especially you know, nowadays. There's so much stuff for people to watch. There's, there's so many streaming services. I, I, I get bored sitting there flicking through Netflix now thinking, is this going to be any good? Is this, is this worth my time? Because it's so predictable. Like, why don't any of the streaming services – I mean, Stan, I think, has, a, has some live sporting stuff. But what mm. about some live game shows or some live sort of chat shows? Or why, mm. why is it why is it these streaming services have got mo- so much money? Why don't, why don't we have a Tonight Show in Australia? It's embarrassing. We get all these international celebrities coming here, but we we don't have a Tonight Show. Why isn't someone doing that? Why don't you do something like that? You know, have these international celebrities coming out and they go, okay, let's do some promotion, and they send them to the freaking project, or they do a spot on the news. It's like, come on, man, we're not. We're not a little country town. Let's let's fork out some cash and and do a Tonight Show. I'd host it. Mate, you, you're leading me into something. Aren't you doing a, a, a game show on a streaming service? Actually, um, because I host a lot of events as well, a lot of corporate events, as you know, do a lot of other TV hosts and mm. presenters. And uh, when COVID hit, that was gone. So I started hosting a whole stack of events online, and some of those events uh, included a uh, an online game show. So it's great, like you know, you'll have a, a big company like you know, Shell or Woolworths or whatever, all that, with like a thousand staff online, and we just start playing this game show and quiz show kind of thing, and playing Wheel of Unfortunate, and you know, sort of <laughs> all these crazy little game show mashups, and uh, they all have a ball and they talk about the stuff that that's going on in their company, and it's just a uh, a good little culture team bonding thing because like like you would know, culture is really important in a business, and when you can't have those yearly events. For you know, Domino's Pizza, I'd host a lot of their big corporate events, and they get all of their the bosses and staff to come along. They give them away, give away awards, and everyone go and have a drink after and talk about all the great things happening in their business. But they don't, they don't have that at the moment. So to do something online where everyone's having a ball and they're winning prizes and they have to do crazy games, would you like to play a game with me now? Absolutely, I'm always up for a game. Okay, so this one's called the head bop. So the winner of this game is the person who can move their head on and off the screen the most in 10 seconds. On your marks, get set, go. You're, not, you're still on the screen. Time is up. I've just done 12 and you did six. You were on the screen still, though. Clearly, you need a, a bit of practice. No, no, I was off here. I was just doing my head. Just my head like that. So all, lots of ridiculous games like that and from hosting, you know, shows like Friday Night Games, Friday Night Live, Download, all these random sort of game show <laughs> things and uh, Joker Poker. I did host a celebrity poker show once as well. That was that was bizarre. Yeah, so I've got a few games up my sleeve and uh, it's good fun. Again, get back to, I guess, on that topic and, you know, the games, but, you know, you're working in teams of people, you know, in, in a number of these shows, you're a, a front-facing person. You're like the sort of the leader for the for the community watching um but there's a lot of stuff happening in the background like what what's worked for you like what's put you in that best frame of mind the best game that mike goldman can play when he's sort of out front facing you know that the team supporting mike what does that look like buddy like if i'm hosting one of those online game shows what's the best game well any anything that you've done you know there's a we've spoken before about you know the yeah you've been involved in shows that the the culture's not quite where you'd like it to be and you're a part of that and things have worked for you or haven't worked for you so i just want to pick your brain about what you've seen that works for you You, you've been part of many teams what's good 
in that team? Why do you why do you think that team is better? Say the Big Brother team versus some other team you've been involved. It's amazing how much difference it makes for, uh, I mean, if people are watching this and they have a business that's not, you know, a TV production company or they're making a TV show, maybe you could just picture in your head the the kind of people who, you know, are still the nuts and bolts of the business, but they're not the, um, you know, up the food chain, you know, directors or, or mm. managers of staff. It's the, the people down below who, if they're excited and they're having fun and enjoying themselves, just tiny little things to make them have a better day and love their job and get excited about their job, it makes such a difference to a, a business or a TV show overall. I mean, and it mm. can be something as small as like, hey, it's Jimmy's birthday. You know, someone goes down and buys a you know, $50 cake and everyone sings happy birthday, eat some cake, and they go back to work with a bit of a sugar rush. Or mm. it, can, it, it can be... All of a sudden, some celebrity comes in and plays a random game show with them on Zoom, and they think that's the most. Did that just happen? That was the most ridiculous <laughs> thing ever. And they'll tell their friends and family about it later on that night at the pub or whatever. We're going to have ten seconds of quiet audio on the audio release of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those crickets—they're everywhere. So, I mean, it's 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 just coming up with something that's that's it's fun for everyone to enjoy every now and again. It might only it only takes five to ten minutes out of the day. And mm. like I I, uh, I used to work at this um, TV network and it was a, a bit of a boring vibe in the office. There are a few people there that just just say that they uh, were – I don't want to be mean in case they know that I'm talking about them. But they, they didn't really know how to enjoy themselves. So I would, you know, have every Monday is Mullet Monday. So I, I bought – 20 mullet wigs and everyone in the office had to wear mullets while they were working and they're all taking selfies and you know they do their wayne's world head banging kind of stuff and just weird, you know kooky fun stuff like that and occasionally i might come in into work in fancy dress like wear my leader housing outfit just for no reason just for absolutely no reason and why not it's it's just a good way to have a laugh and enjoy yourself your life is too short to be so serious and the amount how many times in your life do you remember going Oh, I was so stressed out then. But you think back about it and you go, why was I stressed out? It was like, not that big a deal. We dealt with it in the end. People um, overthink things, I think, especially in this day and age because there's so much shit coming at you left, right and center. And if you, Especially if you're on social media or if you, you know, your job is in the media or whatever it is that you're doing is so complicated and there's competition coming from everywhere and everyone else has got their issues. But if you can just simplify things and enjoy yourself and have a laugh along the way, that old saying... If you love your job, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, you're an energetic guy and, and you know, certain personality types. Where has that sort of not worked so well? You, you sort of alluded to, you know, different people, different personalities in their office, but, you know, wh- where have you found that challenging in your own work environment or work experience, mate? Oh, there's, there's a few without, uh, without incriminating myself. but um, <laughs> Well, it's okay to incriminate yourself, just nobody else. <laughs> it, it, it comes from the top down. Uh, I've seen it so many times in you know, radio and TV. If a general manager mm. is an arsehole to the program manager, then program manager is going to end up being a dick to the promotions manager. The promotions manager is going to be pushy and annoying with the, mm. the promo team on the ground. And the announcer's going to have one of the promo team doesn't call in on time and he's had his program manager yell at him and and then all of a sudden it's just a bad vibe in the place. And you feel that energy when you work into a business. So it's definitely, and I've seen it a million times, from mm-hmm. the top down and that's why leadership is so important and there's so much pressure on someone who's going to be you know, the general manager or the director of an organisation. They just – because they, they really do in, inflict the pain on people when they start carrying on and other – times that uh you know i'm i'm 
choosing my words very carefully because I don't want to mention anyone. But like I've I've worked with some of the biggest narcissistic, pain in the ass, bipolar freaks you could ever imagine, and I, like to the point where people who who work there had to go and get go and see a shrink, myself included, because of the the random bullshit that we had to deal with. And I think when it gets to that point, you know, you just have to remove yourself from that situation in any way, shape, or form, and remind remind yourself you've got great talent. And you you know you've got something to offer the world, and you, and that person's just got a lot of bullshit to deal with, and you don't need to be part of it. So there, yeah, there have been a a few of those occasions over the years, and 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 on the TV side of things, I mean, you know, I ha- might have had a uh, a certain executive producer who might have been a bit drunk, and might have been on with his secretary, and I'm trying to host a show, and he came in and abused me ten seconds before I was about to talk on air, telling me not to say something, and I and I said it. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to. I said it by accident because that's all I was thinking. You put something in my head or you say it in my ear, I'm going to say it on the show. Were you back the next week or gone? Yeah, I was. I I think uh, probably because I had too much dirt on that guy. (laughs) Mate, just talking about that experience, I guess, you know, narcissists, assholes, whatever you want to call them, and there's certain behaviours attached to that. Did you see evidence of those poor behaviours not only flowing through the team but flow through to – the ratings so the you know whatever performance was happening but then you know people can't be at their best in that environment did you ever see that and, and the impact it had absolutely i mean you can see it with the breakfast show if you know two mm. two of the people on the breakfast show get along really well and there's one other person who's got a problem with everything then it's it's not gonna it's not gonna work you know what i mean mm. it, it's it's and and everyone knows it in the station and, and everyone will be like talking about oh god what are we going to get rid of that person and it's just mm. it's not a good vibe and, you know, with TV shows as well, if, uh, you know, everyone's not excited and there's not a good energy around a show, then what do you do? Hold on a minute. Oh, hello. Mm. <laughs> She's trying not to be seen. My wife's here. <laughs> my, wife, my wife showed up with a burger. Oh, is that, she lovely? Is that, was it Bianca? Yeah, come in. Bianca, come in. Say good day. Oh, look what she's made me. She's made me a burger. Oh, my goodness gracious me. Lovely to meet you, Bianca. B- Bianca's got her own show. You'd think it'd be a cooking show. That burger looks amazing. Oh, I think that looks fantastic. Really good. Um, she's got her own show uh, on TikTok called uh, Katrina, the Real Wog Wife of Brisbane. <laughs> Katrina, would you like to say something? <laughs> no, she wouldn't. <laughs> uh, so she's going to be doing a stage show. Very she's not prepared. Thanks, thanks for my burger. Oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so your wife is in the entertainment industry as well. Yeah, she's she's an actor, a TV presenter, and uh, yeah. comedian. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Katrina the because she's half Greek, and her character Katrina I did the, see that the on real TikTok wife and of, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so it's mainly her going. My husband, oh, he's so stupid. It's just basically <laughs> shit that happens with me every day that she just talks about me and how bad I am. But well, you're you're a bit of a team, right? I mean, there's some uh, some pretty healthy banter and a and a good dynamic there. I think from what I've seen through social media. Yeah, I mean. I've never been with someone who, you know, works in the entertainment industry before as a, an mm. actor, TV host, presenter, mm. voiceover person like me. Mm. And it's funny how well it works because we both understand each other. And, you know, mm. if we're going to an event or, you know, we, we're talking to people who are in the industry and, you know, we're sharing information and learning stuff about what's going on in the industry and helping brainstorm different ideas and helping each other when you have the ups and downs because it's a really tough industry to be in. I mean, mm. you know, sometimes, it, you know, you're flat out and sometimes it's really quiet and you think, oh, God, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing another job? And, and, mm. and someone else there to give you that moral support to say, 
yep, go and get a job as a checkout chick at Coles. No. <laughs> be, be the person that says, you know, the next thing's coming. Just keep mm. soldiering on. Keep doing your funny stuff online. Keep, you know, calling your agent. Call your old clients, you know. So in my line of work, it's great to have someone as uh, my wing girl that's, you know, always pumping me up and saying, hey, you know, that was really good. That was really bad. That's not good for mm. your brand. I, maybe I wouldn't be doing those nude shots online <laughs> or, or whatever it is, you know. It's destructive for you, mate. And when, So when are you guys, have you been able to set a new date for the wedding? Yeah, well, we were supposed to get married in Greece last year. We saved up mm. for years to do that, and then obviously mm. COVID hit. We were going to be moving to the States after that as well because Bianca yeah, had, well. had her green card, and I was going to get mine because we were married, and mm. we had a few job opportunities over there. And so COVID hit, so we and obviously couldn't get married in Greece, so we stayed here and planned to get married a couple of months ago, but the borders shut, and I got f- friends and family in New South Wales that couldn't make it, so let's postpone mm. it again. <sighs> One of many, mate. What Bye-bye. do you do? What do you do? So we'll just we'll just wait until um, the next Delta strain comes. <laughs> Is it going to be how many strains are we going to have? I've got no idea, mate. But uh, I think we're uh, we just need to learn to live with it, as they say. Vaccine passports. You've all had the vaccine for the Delta strain. Oh, there's a new section on the passport here for the next strain, and then another one for the next strain, and. Everyone's in I lockdown thought, that week. I thought about asking you today, actually, as part of the start of the interview, whether I should ask you if you've been double vaxxed and if you're not, maybe I shouldn't interview you. Oh, no, no, I have. I had the AstraZeneca and so, uh, I think it's 21, is it 21 days until you between shots for AstraZeneca? Oh, it keeps changing. Mine was six weeks, but my wife and son was four weeks. So What one did you changes. get? AZ as well. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's, it's six weeks, is it? It was when I got it. So I'm so, about due for my second one now. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Our interview will continue after this. An expression of gratitude or reciprocity, no matter how large or small, is an important part of a healthy culture and relationships. Our friends at Jangler have a great app that allows you to send a gift card with either a personal video, voice message, or funny gif. You can send it right away or schedule to send on the perfect day and time. So it can be something you set and forget. It's perfect for clients, employees, birthdays, and any celebration where you can't be there in person. It's quick, easy to send, and you can spend instantly in-store or online when you receive a card. Check it out at www.jangler.com.au. That's www.jangler.com.au. Mate, I, I want to take us back to Big Brother. Yeah, you're such a, a Big Brother fanatic and being involved in the Big Brother Australia show. I put together a few Trivia Pursuit questions based off Big Brother. Are you up for it? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the first thing is, well, the first this first one's not Big Brother related, but it's reality TV. So what was the first reality TV show ever? The first reality TV show ever? Ever. Uh, Sylvania Waters, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> It was candid camera. Oh, candid camera because it's you know people you know hidden cameras and yeah. yes, of course. Smile, candid camera. You're on candid camera. That That's was it. That, that was a great show. I loved it as well. Wasn't it good? Who wasn't was the good? host? Oh mate, I didn't go that far. I can't remember. Ah, oh, that would have been good if you knew that. We'll put it in the show notes for everyone. <laughs> there's a lot of show <laughs> notes happening now. I'm sure you know this one because you actually mentioned it a little bit earlier, but. Big Brother was readapted from a show from which country? Yeah, Holland. Endemol uh, is the name of the company. 
and uh, John DeMole created the series. Mate, you get a, a few more points for that. Well done. <laughs> I should have known that. <laughs> I, I'm gonna ask, I've got a few more, but I'll ask this one now because I want to ask you a question off the back of it. It's a true or false. Mm-hmm. Big Brother has produced more successful relationships than The Bachelor. It's probably true, actually. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> so several Big Brother contestants, I didn't bother going and li- writing out the list, have got married off the back of their involvement in Big Brother series. Is that worldwide or just Australia? Uh, this is worldwide, sorry. Yeah, right. Wow, okay. That's cool. I didn't know that. Let's talk about relationships, mate, seeing as though Big Brother is such a, a fantastic matchmaker. What are the relationships that you saw in your time that you thought just, you know, and I don't mean they don't need to be you know, sexual relationships, like friendships that built and, and what was sort of underpinning some of that? Because there's been some pretty good ones, I think, over the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we've had marriage proposals on the show. You know, it was a, actually a same-sex marriage proposal on the show. And, and you know, that I think that was a great thing for, um, for you, know, you know, people of um, that way inclined. To, yeah. to see someone like them on the TV and go, yeah, well, that means a lot to me because now I know that I'm not alone and that's exactly what I'm going through. And I think it's mm. it's it's not just whether, you know, you're straight or gay in a relationship to see someone on screen and what they're dealing with. I mean, it could be, mm. you know, someone's dealing with some other family problem or a work problem and, they, and someone as a housemate on a show or a reality TV contestant talks about it and brings their problems to the screen. You see that a lot on SAS. And people go, yeah, wow, that guy's got some problems. And, you know, I, I thought I had problems. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's like the opposite of Instagram. Look at this person's life. How do they have such a good life? It's actually, their life's actually quite shit. And I'm, I, I feel good about that, <laughs> you know. But the relationship side of things, you know, there's, there's been people on the show who've fallen in love and they're still together. And I, mm. I think that's lovely. And it's a nice thing to see evolve on screen as well. I'm going to ask you about a, a bromance, but I'm going to ask you another Big Brother Trivial Pursuit question, which will lead into it. You ready for it? Yeah, sure. Who was the runner-up in Big Brother Australia 2001, the original series in Australia? Sarah Marie. No. 2001? 2001. Yeah. Oh, was that Ben won it in 2001 and didn't- See, no one ever remembers the second place getter. Oh, no, 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 Blair, Blair, sorry. Yes. Blair McDonough. Yeah, I I just remember Sarah Marie because she's by far the most popular- well, hold on. Which Big Brother contestant was famous for the bum dance? Yeah, Sarah Marie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know why I thought it was Sarah. Blair McDonough's, um He's an actor now, and he's he, he pops yeah. up on TV series all the time. And, but there's been a number of of people again off the back of Big Brother Australia. Again, I'm not sure about internationally. I'm sure it's the same, but have gone on and you know they've people have spotted them through the Big Brother series and done their own thing, isn't it? I think you you are pretty. You had a bit of a relationship with Fitzy, or yeah, you know, he's a bit of a mate of yours, isn't he? Uh, Fitzy for years. Done some radio together. Yeah, well, he uh, he was uh, my co-host on Friday Night Live, Friday Night Games, Download, mm. and you know hosted a lot of random events around Australia uh, over the years that Big Brother happened. But then he yeah. went to, he went to Adelaide to work on the radio and mm. just worked his way up the food chain to be the number one radio DJ in Sydney with uh, mm. with Whipper. And I think Doing to myself, well. man, I should have I said to Fitzy, let's do a radio show together. Because he, you know, be earning millions now, millions. (laughs) But he's uh, he's done very well. What makes a fantastic contestant for Big Brother? I could tell you what the producers have told me. Actually, Marion Farrelly Mm. told me this story once. When they're doing the auditions for certain reality shows, 
they would get all the people who are auditioning them to score the contestant from one to ten. So number one means you can't stand them and ten means that you think they're amazing. And they wouldn't put the contestants in who all got ten. They would put the contestants in who half of them got ten and and the other half of judges rated them one. Because Mm. if you and I are at the water cooler and we both go, oh, we love that contestant, aren't they great? Then it's, you know, the conversation can only go that far. But if mm. you go, oh, I can't stand that person. I go, oh, I love that person. Why? No, they're great because of this. No, they're an asshole because of that. You know, it's it's so much more of an interesting conversation. And you mm-hmm. you don't want anyone, everyone to get along in there and be having a great time. I mean, Married at First Sight is a perfect example of that. That show is torture and none of those people are meant to be together. The people who make it should be ashamed of themselves. But it's great TV. <laughs> Um, you talked about the, uh, I guess, the, the ones versus the tens. What is the character traits of the, the ones closest to one that the producers are looking for? Oh, oh I mean, it, it can be lots of things. I mean, the one can just be a complete bitch or it, it could, like Brie Amer, you know, she was my co-host on, on Friday Night Live. Like her audition tape made her out to be a bitch. Mm. And then when she was in the house, she was like everyone's best friend. It's like she faked it to get in there. And... <laughs> Uh, you know, so they would look for someone to be a bit bitchy, a bit conniving, a bit sneaky, mm-hmm. someone who's very opinionated or very loud or very annoying, very over the top, asks annoying questions and doesn't leave people alone. And then there's uh, the other end of the scale of someone just might be a great guy or great girl that's really easy to talk to and, you know, is, is selfless and empathetic and, you know, mm-hmm. entertaining and tells a good yarn. And so th- those two together and, and it can make the situation a, a million different things and you never know until those people go into the room together and mm. and see what they're like i mean if if you're you're watching a reality show and someone gets voted off who was like the alpha male or the alpha female of the house and ev- everyone loved them and they were bound to win all of a sudden they're gone someone else steps up personalities change people all of a sudden mm. gets a little bit louder and you know that could be a culture of a workplace as well if, mm. you know if, if all of a sudden that guy's the big mouth cracking all the jokes and everyone's sort of a little bit you know, quieter when he's around. If all of a sudden that person's gone, then other people could be themselves a little bit more and it, it could be a better atmosphere in a workplace. Was that Angela's role? Oh, Angela, so, the lip gloss girl. The, lip gloss. Uh, and again, because you, you featured her on one of the big bro shows a little while ago as well, I think. She was over the top and very <laughs> loud and very, very opinionated. You know, someone who, you know, couldn't couldn't really be swayed a lot of the time. She had mm. had her idea in her head and what she wanted to do and how she wanted to handle things. And T was at the center of that too, wasn't it? T, yes, because, you know, <laughs> what happens on Big Brother, if you don't watch it, they, they say you uh, have to get the tasks right and then you get this amount of money and then you get this shopping budget. And I think someone didn't buy tea and she was pissed off because all she wants is tea and she was crying about the fact that she didn't get her tea. Guess from that. Like the interesting thing for me, and again, I, I didn't watch that series. I said I, we really only watched the 2001 series, but going back to a point you made before, the drawing and actually just hearing bits or even reading stuff was she was voted out at some point, Angela, but then she was put into a, I don't know if this sort of happened with Big Brother generally at, at other series, but she was then put into a room and brought back. It was almost like, to me, it felt like she was go- too good from an audience view to be evicted out so they came up with a way to put it back in oh the producers always right? do, always do that i mean if it's big brother or any reality show you know they've they've all chosen this person to go in to do a certain thing in the house mm. and if they sit there and they don't talk to anyone they don't engage in anyone they're like oh god how can we get this person out 
Mm. And then all of a sudden, if the person who is a pain in the ass, getting on everyone's nerves, but so funny and entertaining for everyone else to watch these people be annoyed by that person, <laughs> then the producers will obviously go, well, this is our person that gets the free pass. This is our person that goes to the secret room because mm. it was a fake eviction, mm. which pisses off a lot of other people who are on the show as well because they're like, <laughs> I thought I was going to win. And that's uh, it's the entertainment of it. You know, that's you're watching mm. people who thought that they had – had made it. All of a sudden, it's like, no, rugs pulled out from under your feet. Sorry, guys. Changes dynamics completely again, doesn't it? As you alluded to before. Definitely. What's the weirdest thing you ever saw in your time at Big Brother? The weirdest thing. I mean, Merlin was pretty weird. Not not what you did. That, that what somebody else may have done. <laughs> that, that guy, Merlin, when he came out with a tape over his mouth and saying, you know, free the refugees, that mm. was weird. Uh, oh, you know, obviously the stage catching fire. That was bizarre. Oh, yeah. When was that? Oh, that was like 2007, I think. Mm, I think it was. Mm. You know, and, and like people running onto the stage and hijacking the, the, the show and we had to put like this barbed wire fence around the stage in case mm. people ran onto the stage and put like a, a row of security there every show so no one yeah. would run onto the stage because it's a live show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I secretly would love it if, if someone would run on the stage in a live show because, <laughs> yeah, I was doing crowd warm-up for a lot of those uh, shows and also, you know, yeah. speaking to the people in the audience when Gretel or Sonia Kruger would cross to me, it's just like that chaos that people are sitting at home in their lounge room going, holy shit, what's happening here? What am I going to watch? Who's going to get voted out? What are they going to say? Are they going to be pissed off? People, someone's going to run onto the stage. You know, so that that was uh, the the live element is something like I I'm, I can't say that enough. I miss it so much from mm. reality TV, and there needs there needs to be more of it. What is it about it that you miss so much? Just the fact that you never know what's going to happen. Like you 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 know that the TV producers are sweating because they're thinking, is, is this going to get us in trouble with the law? Is, so, is someone going to get hurt? It's all about risk, and and are we mm. going to piss off the sponsors? Yeah, because like. With the cancel culture that's going on in the world right now, you only need one person to say the wrong thing and then you can mm. lose millions of dollars worth of advertising. Mm. So I think a show like Big Brother in its old format would work well if it was just its own thing online that people pay 10 bucks a week and they can mm. you know, log in and watch these people anytime they want and get a daily or hourly news update. It's a great point, mate. Not something I've ever thought about, but are you alluding to the fact that maybe some of the – reduction or the reality TV and live TV scenarios that are about, are, are they reducing because of some of these societal factors that are out there and the risk involved for stations? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's all about risk for them and especially when you've got teams of hundreds of salespeople going out there talking to clients every day and the client's about mm. to spend a million dollars in advertising and then all of a sudden they go, oh, I don't like what that housemate said about Chinese people. Mm. Can't advertise. Sorry, mate. And they go with another network, and people can be that fickle. Yeah, it's uh, it is a bit of a a worry, isn't it, in society? We That's why safe shows like The Voice, you know, it's like it's singing and it's happy, yeah, and people yeah. are having a good time. It's you know, it's it's easy to get sponsors involved with that because no one's going to do anything or say anything untoward. It's very very structured format, and it's all about the singing and the talent. People love drama, but they also love as much, if not more, those uplifting sort of shows yeah, like you say, and, the voiceover and, and stuff. Totally. And and I think that's why The Voice did so well as well mm. because there's so much horrible things going on on in the world right now, you know, with COVID and then, you know, mm. Afghanistan and, you know, China getting angry at us and stopping our exports and, you know, who's in lockdown and who's not and people protesting. 
people, mm. people want an escape. They want to release. They want to hear a good story. They want to have a laugh. They want to enjoy themselves. They, they don't want to you know, go from being stressed out about what's going on in the world to watching someone who's stressed out about a relationship that's supposed to work that was clearly never going to work and it's just for everyone's entertainment. So, yeah, I think you know, if I was in charge, I'd be making more fun and entertaining shows, more like Holy Moly. I mean, that's a great show with Rob Riggle. We, well, you're doing your bit, mate. I mean, that's the beauty of like this platform. You know, we can create our own platform and you've got a following and you know, you, you can you've created platforms, you've got platforms, so you can do you can do things yourself now. You don't need the, the big budgets that go with the T V stuff. Yeah, I mean, but they're obviously having a, a a network of people there to help you. I mean, you've got your producer that helps you with mm. this show and having a team of, of people in PR, a team of people in sales that can sell a show, yeah. uh, have, you know, having money behind you to, to spend on billboards in every part of Australia to promote a show and buses mm. and you know, getting uh, the, the publicity people to, to call radio stations and newspapers mm. and get them to write stories about a show and build the hype. Did you see our billboard in Queen Street that we put up? No. Did you put a billboard up? <laughs> oh, yeah, you full shit. Um, uh, uh, but I'll tell you what, though, um, it's all about promotion. Like You can be the best guitarist mm. in the world, but if mm. you're just playing to yourself in your garage, no one's going to know about it. You know, you've got to do PR. You've got to do promo. You've got to mm. you know, build a network of people who uh, are fans and love your stuff that are going to share it and promote it and reward them. Again, you mentioned something earlier, and, and it's bringing my mind back to it now, relationships and your own journey. How important have the relationships you've developed and your networks developed helped you through the process of this, you know, pretty good career that you've had and still having? I think a lot of the time there, there's probably been people more talented than me who have auditioned for jobs and I've got the job because they've known me or worked with me before or then, and they mm. know that I wasn't a pain in the ass. I mean, there's a, a rule that I like to have in in businesses, no dickheads, and I know a lot of people have that as well. But if mm. you might be you might be the best voiceover guy in the world, but if you come in and start being demanding and wanting to change the script and not being happy with the way things are going, then no one wants to work with you. But if if you're understanding and you know will stay there, you know, an extra couple of hours after you, you know you were booked and be on standby because they're still trying to cut together a show, and you help people out and go that extra mile, let me see. I'll, Kerry Packer thing, you know, you, mm. he would always say, you know, you, you take people's advertising dollars for a certain amount of spots, but then you give them something else and you over deliver. Mm. So if, if you've got to go the extra mile to hold on to those clients and look after people and, you know, buying random gifts as well when you go, go in and work with a client uh, is something that's always helped. You know, little marketing ideas that I, I had post it notes with my face on it at one stage, I had, you know, mobile <laughs> phone chargers. That, uh, that I'd give to people with my, you know, website address on it. I can't remember what I wrote on there. Oh, the, the post-it notes was my face and it said, voice, face, brain for hire and my mobile number. And that went out to all the You still got some post-it notes? <laughs> no, I haven't got any of those anymore. <laughs> oh, that is a cool idea. Yeah, I, actually the, um, the mobile phone charger, it says, Mike charges a lot, but he's so worth it. <laughs> I'm glad we haven't had to pay you a speaking fee today then, mate. <laughs> what? I thought... Didn't my agent call you? I haven't. No, no, I haven't taken Damn his it. calls at all. What? <laughs> hey, this is the sort of chap you are, isn't it? You know, we, we connected through LinkedIn, had a bit of a chat, and you were really open to coming on and just sharing your story, which I, I so appreciate. I know people listening to will appreciate as well. So yeah, no worries, I man. just want to say thank you for that, buddy. It's been great to be on your show. You, you mentioned Sonia Kruger before, 
And I, I really like, I, I don't know Sonia personally, but I really like her as a, as a TV personality and stuff. You guys seem to have a, a pretty good relationship. What What is it that works with yourself and Sonia? Um, a com- commercial professional relationship, I mean. <laughs> Sonia Kruger? Friends? Not friends? No, no, I love Sonia. <laughs> Sonia, Sonia is... A consummate professional. She's mm. by far the coolest TV host I have ever worked with. And she's a great friend, you know. She's kind of kind mm. of girl that you go, let's have a drink after the show. Yeah, cool. You know, mm. and you talk about what was great, what worked, mm. what didn't. And I think that's why Channel 7 have, you know, gone all in on Sonia Kruger and got her hosting The Voice and Big Brother mm. and Dancing mm. with the Stars or whatever other shows that they're doing because – She's just got a great vibe about her. She's a workhorse and she'll she'll always nail it and just has a great time with everyone and always having a good laugh, whether it's with the makeup girls and or it's the directors, producers. She's throwing great ideas around. Like I remember the last series of The Voice, I was watching it and Sonia's interviewing one of the, uh, the friends and family of one of the performers and um, she asked uh, this uh, brother or sister of this contestant and said, do you sing? And... and this girl said, yeah, I did. Hey, oh, why don't you do an audition? We just surprise everyone. I'll get one of the producers just a minute. And they put it in the show. And it's her producer brain, you know, coming up with these great ideas like that, that, that I think people, uh, people love about her to work with her as well. But yeah, Sonia, Sonia's um, one of the, the coolest people I've ever worked with and um, very lucky to have a friendship with her. Should I ask this question? I'm not sure you tell me, but you know, when you guys, I've seen you guys together just on, again, like a normal television viewer, but when have you sort of hosted with someone when it's been, I guess, not the best relationship? I don't mean toxic, but maybe the dynamic's not been as solid and, and why not? I, I remember I did this. Um, I filled in on radio once over, I won't say where because there are people there who it was, <laughs> but uh, there, was this, there was this girl who uh, I, had to, I had to fill in as the, the host mm. and the co-host. It was like her. She'd only been on radio for a couple of years, but she was very structured and she'd written out everything that she was going to say. And along came someone who's been in, you know, radio and TV my whole life. And, go, yep. and I would know, okay, we're going to come out of the song. We're going to talk about this. And then we're going to say, this is coming up and we're going to go to, go to the next song. And she'd go, but what, what are you going to say here? And what are you going to say there? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you that. I want to get your uh, actual reaction. And this girl actually had a panic attack and they had to call an ambulance because she, she didn't know what I was going to oh, well. say. She was freaking out so much, the poor thing. Not cut out for the industry. But that's just a good example of, you know, some people who are, you know, very structured and know exactly what they're going to say at every single time of the day. That's not me. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who, yeah, you know, I've worked with a lot of great radio talents or TV talents who we know what we're going to do on stage, but we don't tell each other our jokes, mm. keep our jokes secret. I say, I'm going to say something here, but I can't tell you what it is. And you say something and they go, ah! <laughs> it's get their real reaction rather than them going, <laughs> and it's just a fake laugh. Well, I, I can testament to your uh, lack of structure because you you didn't tell me you wouldn't fill it in, but you didn't fill in my beer guest form. So I filled it in because I thought, well, I just have to have a chat with Mike because- yeah, Otherwise, you know, otherwise you're probably thinking in the- <laughs> I write stuff out in point form. I was adapting to you, mate. Otherwise, you think about, oh, okay, what's coming up? Oh, what do we got to get to? Absolutely. Rather, rather than uh, listening to my answers and, and going, oh, there's a good question in that and sort of following mm. up on it. I mean, there's yep. been a, a, a lot of- great interviewers over the years like ray martin's perfect example who mm. you know he, he'd probably only have five questions for a whole interview 
But mm-hmm. every single question would lead to another question because they'd say something that would be open-ended. And if, mm-hmm. if, if you're worried about your other questions coming up or what you're going to be doing, you might miss something. And the, the viewer would go, oh, he just said that he, he lived in another state. What, what state was that? Why didn't he mm-hmm. ask what that state was? He was too worried about his next question. Yeah. So it's good to have something that's a bit more organic, a little bit more free form. And it's real because, like I keep saying, you don't get enough of that in the world today. Yeah, mate, you're so right. You're so right. I, I'm with you, except I do. I didn't even bother sending you the run, the draft run sheet a week before. I think I sent it to you about half hour before, just in case you wanted to look at it, because I didn't think I'd waste my time. <laughs> have we missed anything, though? Mate, we have gone absolutely off script the whole episode. <laughs> so you, do, you think, do you think your regular followers will go, oh, this is what I subscribe to? I did. You haven't even asked, asked him what kind of trousers he wears. <laughs> Is it okay to say, like, it, it doesn't really matter to me because I always put my takeaways at the end of our episode and always try and put my little storm, my lens on, you know, some things that you've said around cultural leadership and teamwork and, and you've said that so I, I can pick the eyes out of it, mate. I've just enjoyed the conversation. Mm, cool. Um, me too. I, I do want to ask you, though, if, if we've got a little bit more time, just around we've touched on this whole society and cancel culture and stuff like that. What do you think are the the negatives, the cons out there around reality tv from a societal perspective deep question i know what you're getting at and the cancer culture <laughs> thing i think is is losing speed i don't think it's such a big thing as it used to be mm. uh, i think people are taking less notice of it and i i think a lot of tv presenters radio announcers people in the media just sort of see it as water off a duck's back and it's just someone who doesn't like you anyway. It's trying to make things bad for you and turning it around and using it as good publicity because, you know, if you do something wrong, just say I'm sorry and move on. I don't think that people can cancel you and your, your career's over from, from then forward. I've done and said a lot of things that I regret on TV and radio over the years. Yeah, nothing super bad, but if I did say something to offend someone, upset them, you know, humbly apologize and cool, next, can I keep doing my job now? I think, um, you know, the whole Me Too thing sort of, it it was a a real sort of centerpiece for cancel culture as well. And unfortunately, a lot of people have have used it improperly and and it's it's really taken the wind out of the sails of people who actually do want to stand up, who did have something bad happen to them. And it's also when someone does something really bad. Now, cancel culture has canceled someone for having a a bumper sticker on their car and and made them lose their job or something so minute. When someone actually does something bad, it sort of it takes away the uh, the steals the thunder uh, mm. of you know the the publicity that they they should get around that. You know, I mean, you want to cancel someone, cancel bloody Joe Biden for you know bombing a family in Afghanistan in a car when they were picking up water to take it to a school. That's something you should be canceling, mm. not not just someone on the because on their YouTube channel they they said a joke that you didn't agree with and it's killing comedy in a lot of ways as well because especially in the you know the big TV networks and mm. uh, radio networks because they're so worried about what you're going to say and if you might offend someone but that's why mm. you know people who don't mind you know offending people a little bit one guy comes to mind Isaac Butterfield I don't know if you've seen him calls himself the buttsman you heard of him I heard of him, but I haven't watched any of his stuff. So he he picks on vegans, he picks on cyclists. He has fucking bumper stickers that say "fuck cyclists," <laughs> and and he sells thousands of them. And because people go, "Yeah, I hate cyclists too." Yeah, bloody vegans, <laughs> shut up. 
Uh, because you know it, it's people are just you know sticking with their own kind and having a good laugh, and sometimes you know they they're picking on the people that that they get annoyed with who are trying to cancel them, and now it's like, man, eh, you can't cancel me. I've got five million followers on YouTube. I don't give a shit what you say. Thank you. See ya. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a strange old world, mate. How about I ask you this question? So if if Mike Goldman was the Prime Minister of Australia, mate, what's the, what's the big issue that you want to solve? Oh God, that's a tough question. Uh, the big issue I would solve is uh, change the whole government, get rid of this Westminster system that we've had since the 1700s that was invented in, I think, the 1500s or probably earlier. That just doesn't make sense. These two political parties that are getting funded by organisations to push their agenda and then trying to butter up the, the country by saying all these great things they're going to do for us when really they have all these other hidden agendas. I think they, if, if I was Prime Minister, this is what I would do. I would cancel lobbyists, people who are working for big pharmaceutical companies, big oil companies, mining companies. They're paying millions of dollars to Liberal and Labor, the Nationals, whoever, and of course those politicians are going to push those people's agenda because it helps them get the money so they can advertise and, and push you know themselves as a personality that people will, because it's a personality competition, mm. push themselves to be the prime minister or the local member or whatever it is. So then we need to cancel that. And I would give every single person in Australia a hundred bucks and you can give that hundred bucks to whatever person you want to run, your local member or whatever it is. And that's all they're allowed to use for their promotional campaign, not the millions of dollars to push other agendas. Is that a ridiculous answer? No, Mike, it's actually created some other ideas I'm, I'm just starting to think mike goldman hosting the sort of australian parliament reality tv show would people watch that <laughs> i don't know what what would be worse big brother up late or the australian parliament so we're, we're, whenever scott morrison gets up to speak and go okay uh, scomo's up to talk right now so let's play a letter shuffle uh can you rearrange these letters to make a word and win a prize oh wait scomo sat down let's let's uh let's go back down and see what pauline hansen's saying <laughs> Mate, well, if, if it ever came about, I'm sure you would make it super fun. It might get a bit more engagement back in the community around politics and, and decisions and, and people being there for the right reasons. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, the amount of times that they'd show it on the ABC and especially the Senate and there's like one person getting up and talking and screaming across the other side of the of parliament and there's no one sitting in there. Like, where, where the fuck are these people? Aren't they supposed to be there when, when they're having a debate or aren't they supposed to be both sides of the party? Is this is like one person getting up to talk on the ABC and to the... Is that what... Hold on, hold on. Is that what acting classes look like, though? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, mate. Look, I, I know I need to be respectful of your time. You've got a few things. Ha Actually, tell us a bit about what you've got happening at the moment. There's a, a few projects in the pipeline. I just got this burger that I want to eat. That's all. Oh. I have to heat it up. It's gone cold. I'm sure it'll taste as good after microwaving. Yes. Uh, the Sanctuary Film Festival, sanctuaryfilmfestival.com. I've had it for about seven years and uh, mm -hmm. some great uh, documentaries, which uh, I'm a part of as well, which uh, we'll mm. be showing there. Can't give it any awards because I'm making them, but we've got 500 <laughs> films this year entered from all over the world and just the judges are all going through that at the moment. Some of the best directors, producers, TV people are looking at those films right now, and that, that'll be happening in November, so I'm working on that. But uh, yep. I'm, I'm hosting a lot of online events, uh, fundraisers for the Charlie Teo Foundation, fundraisers mm. for the Shepherd Centre, Loud Shirt Day coming up very soon as well to raise money for kids who are uh, deaf kids who are learning to uh, hear and speak. 
and also uh, hosting the the online uh, game shows, which you the promo which you saw a little earlier. So Absolutely, that's uh, that's mate. a lot of fun for you know building a great culture in an office or a, a business that you might have. Hire me, I'll come and host a game show for you, <laughs> mate. You've got a uh, you've got a big heart, or you seem to have a big heart. Like, what's the you know, again, through the research, you've done a fair bit of stuff with charity. Whatever. And again, I don't know if you're getting appearance fees or whatever, but you're still putting your time across to those sort of things. What is I'm it that free. really makes your connection with um, those sort of things? That's the thing. Like I, I, charities hit me up every week and I always you know, push them on Instagram or share something mm. if they want. But my main, mm. the main charities I work for are RSPCA, Animal Welfare League, the Shepherd Setter for Deaf Kids, and uh, Charlie Teo Foundation. He's a uh, brain surgeon. Mm. And- I work for all of them for free. I host their events. I help them come up with ideas for promotion and, um, you know, get products that they might want to auction off at those events that I host. And I, I do those things because I feel like my whole thing in life is to give people an escape, to help them get away with the stress that they're dealing with in their life. If they're watching a show I'm hosting or radio show or TV show or whatever it might be or something random and ridiculous I'm doing on my Instagram, Facebook Twitter, whatever, but also fits in with, you know, helping people who are less fortunate, you know, whether they're going, you know, kids with cancer is terrible. I mean, I'm, and and also, you know, working for different hospitals, like also the um, the Children's Hospital Sydney, I host uh, some online events for them and, you know, they've done some great things for me and my family as well. Helped my little mm. sister when she was born prematurely and my, mm. my little nephew, Heath, who's you know, born with cystic fibrosis, they do some great work. So, you know, it's, it's seeing that kind of work and, and being a part of, you know, helping these uh, these charities and, and actually seeing the money used for something good to save lives and help people's lives is is you can't buy that that feeling mm. that it gives you. And uh, mm. I, I highly recommend it to anyone out there if you get a you know an hour out of your day to help you know a homeless organisation like Rosie's that I've done a bit of work for in the past here in Brisbane. Just do it because you know it makes the world a better place. Yeah, well done, mate. Well said. Second that definitely. But let's start to wrap this up. And you are a leader in your field. You, you can't not be spending that amount of time in this space that you're in, reality, TV, entertainment industry. Uh, what's this one thing that has had the greatest impact on your own journey? Well, we talked about it earlier. My parents, obviously, being there to support me and let me do exactly what I want to do and uh, mm. you know, f- follow in their footsteps, so to speak. But over the years... The one thing that has had an impact on my journey is relationships because if you get along with people and you become friends with people you work with, it makes your life so much easier and enjoying working with, with people because they're friends, it's, uh, it makes it fun. And, and, you know, if you're enjoying your job, you never work a day in your life and people, you know, always look out for you. They'll always pick up the phone and talk to you. Don't sweat the small stuff. Enjoy yourself mm. and, you know, build the relationships with those people and, you know, go out of your way. For them and sort of understand where they're coming from rather than you know being so one-sided so it's not i would say it's any any one particular thing but i guess if you wanted to narrow it down to one thing i'd just say giving back in some way mm. shape or form whether it's mm. through empathy and entertainment and cracking jokes or you know buying something someone a birthday card on their birthday and and you know making making a the, them smile in their day putting a smile in their day it's uh the little things that make the difference. Absolutely, mate. Well, you've certainly done that for me today, and I'm sure our, our listeners and watchers, you you would have put a smile on their face as well, mate. So, look, I want to say a massive thank you to you. I really appreciate you uh, and the time you've given 
to our show today. Um, it's been fun. You're a fun dude. Great guy to have around. Actually, absolutely would be fantastic in so many workplaces, mate. Bring a bit of fun back to leadership and a bit of a uh, true, authentic self. Uh, a bit of humor solves a lot of stuff. Don't take ourselves so seriously. Thank you again, mate. Appreciate your time. Thanks for being a guest on the Culture of Things podcast. I love the Culture of Things podcast. Thank you for having me. Good on you, Brendy. See you soon. Pleasure, buddy. Bye. How many of you are going to introduce Mullet Monday? How about doing a head-bobbing competition during your next online meeting? You could have your partner serve you a freshly cooked burger during a live stream podcast interview or during your next online business meeting. A couple of these we experienced during the interview with Mike, and it made for fun and memorable moments. Mike's all about bringing joy to people, and I think he does a fantastic job of it. Over the years, he's done that for so many Australian households through his involvement in the entertainment industry and particularly reality TV. When I reflect on the interview, it immediately brings back happiness and I feel a certain energy. Every team needs people like Mike. They push the boundaries, have a laugh and make people feel good about themselves. These attributes create strong connections with people, which leads to long-lasting friendships. These were my three key takeaways from my conversation with Mike. My first key takeaway, leaders have fun. As Mike said, life's too short to be so serious. Leaders face pressure every day. How they handle it can make a big difference to their perceived level of approachability. Knowing when to lighten up, when to enjoy yourself, when to have a laugh are key skills for leaders to develop. Leaders can build a stronger connection with people by having fun. My second key takeaway, culture starts at the top. Whether it's a CEO of a business or the producer of a reality TV show, the leader at the top sets the standard of what behaviours are accepted. The leader's behaviours flow to the people they lead and so forth and so forth. If the culture's crap, this will ultimately lead to suboptimal customer service, which in the case of reality TV is a suboptimal viewer experience. Getting the culture right always starts at the top. My third key takeaway, success is a team effort. Nobody ever makes it on their own, whether it's a friend helping you get an interview or an audition for a TV role. The people you have relationships with help you along the way. They are part of your team and that team effort helps you succeed. So in summary, my three key takeaways were leaders have fun, culture starts at the top and success is a team effort. If you want to talk culture, leadership, or teamwork, or you've got any questions or feedback about the episode, you can leave me a comment on the socials, or you can leave me a voice message at thecultureofthings.com. Thanks for joining me. And remember, the best outcome is on the other side of a genuine conversation. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, a healthy culture is your competitive advantage.